You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is a guy named Ty Runyon. Now, he reached out again on social media, but interestingly enough, he is a game warden in Oklahoma. He's worked on cattle ranches, but a lot of the content that he put out on social media, I was like, man, I really think this guy would be fun to talk to on the show. He's been a follower of ours for a while, and now I am going to be a lifelong follower of his. So, Hopefully we can get into some interesting game warden stories, get his take on a couple encounters that I've had in the past, and just hear all about his passion for hunting, fishing, and the outdoors. So let's jump into this one. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, so I am constantly getting asked about the gear that I'm using, and the great news is that I've got it all listed out on Go Wild. Now, if you listen carefully, I'm going to tell you how you can get a $10 gift card to use toward picking up some new gear. Go Wild is a free social community where your photos aren't censored. They're actually encouraged, so much so that Go Wild will give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. Now, as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards and free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Also, check this out. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. Right now, I'm being joined by Ty Runyon, and he is a game warden out of Oklahoma. He's got an awesome TikTok following, great page to follow along with, and yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Man, glad we, to be here. Yeah, it's it's good to have you on. I it's been a lot of fun connecting with all different people on social media. I'm like, it's I don't know why I I hated social media for a long time, but I'm starting to kind of love it. Just the connections that are made, um, and the different types of people in the hunting industry. Obviously, as a warden, you know there there's a lot of different types of hunters and fishermen out there. Yeah, so like, man, I agree with you completely because, like, several years ago, I just flat out completely got off social media and just 
hated it and would not hardly get on to it. And, but I don't know, some things which run some other stuff like in my personal life, businesses and stuff, you know, that is the world revolves around it. So you've got to, you've got to have it. So I picked it all back up and then, and then the whole TikTok thing kind of came up as an accident. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when people see, see guys like us hunters, you know, we got some facial hair, look a little bit more like manly men. And they're like, you have a TikTok? Wait, what? <laughs> Are you doing the dances? No, I'm not doing the dances. Like, there's a whole lot of other stuff that to that to do in those videos than just dancing around. So, yeah, but, yeah, that's awesome. Um, why don't why don't you start by sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself? Give them give them a history of Ty. All right. Uh, so, man, I was born in South Central Oklahoma uh, in Ardmore. Uh, was raised up in that area. And we, uh, my dad, uh, worked for a lot of the bigger ranches and stuff in the area. So we grew up more in the agricultural, uh, field, but hunting and fishing was kind of just part of it. And so I grew up hunting and fishing with my, my dad, granddad, my older brother. And then what really got me going into the outdoor stuff and, uh, was my dad took over an 18,000 acre ranch in between Atoka, Oklahoma and Antler, uh, Antlers, Oklahoma. And like our entire Western boundary was the McGee Creek State Park. And like I said, 18,000 acres is a huge place. <laughs> yeah. And so that was, let's see, I moved over there the end of my eighth grade year and we were there throughout high school. And so um, I really got, so they, the ranch was actually had its own outfitting operation. And so like, like going into high school, I was filming hunts, uh, guiding hunts, and then like doing the food plots and the management side of it. And then really started learning that. And my mom's a uh, biology teacher. And so like she's really, really interested in all of like the biology side of it, not necessarily the hunt side of it, but the that side. And so we started doing the management stuff. And then so during the summer, my mom would work for the ranch and do the food plots and do the surveys and stuff like that. And so of course me just getting drug along everywhere with, with my mom and uh, which we got to meet a bunch of the biologists and the wardens for our area. Cause they help us out with all of our surveys. And then we were on a, a program called DMAP, which is deer management area program or something like that. It's a private uh, private uh, it's a program for private landowners to kind of, help uh with like buck doe populations and they do like I said the surveying part of it it's real big into the whitetail stuff so I got to doing that and uh got into FFA and school and stuff and my our FFA teachers were like super great and they were real big into proficiency awards so if they wanted to they wanted everybody to do a proficiency well then they got to looking at what I did and what what I was living and they were like, Hey, you know, you can do this proficiency award in wildlife. And I was like, okay, cool. So as a freshman in high school, we started it and ended up winning second in the state my freshman year. And so in the way the state of Oklahoma works, if you don't win first, you can resubmit and just add the next year's stuff to it. So we add the next year's stuff to it, resubmitted all everything. I won the state that year and then turned around and won the national FFA proficiency. Jeez. And then turn around, rolled the, the same, just kept building my numbers and my program. We changed to a 
that was in wildlife management. And then so we changed and went into outdoor recreation, turned around and won, won the state the next year and won the national proficiency in the, uh, <laughs> again. And I was the only, uh, for the longest, longest time, I was the only two time winner, uh, nationally from my school. And then my sister, of course, had to come and beat me, and she won. <laughs> she won two national awards, but the her second national award was like a because she was way she's way smarter than me, and so she did like all the research stuff, and so she ended up winning national star stuff through FFA and won a huge huge award, and so she had to of course one up me, and so <laughs> and so like I said, then I went to college and. I worked on a, a big ranch in, in college while I was going to school, paid bills and stuff. And they were on the same DMAT program, which I had already all this experience. So they let me run, run all the conservation stuff, the management stuff over there. And uh, so that was, that was fun. And I kind of got, I started doing some ride alongs cause you know, in college you got to write papers and stuff. And then kind of got, got into the law enforcement side of it and, uh, did an internship uh, at McGee Creek Wildlife Management Area. And so just kind of just so slowly immersed myself in it. And and then, which, of course, we were all real big into hunting and stuff then because, like, I was in the wildlife program and which everybody there, and that's what you do is everybody hunts and fishes and stuff. And, like, in the little college I went to at first was Murray State out of Tishomingo. And at the time, the wildlife program was one of the biggest programs in the college. And so we had a real big uh, group of people we always hung out with and everybody hunting and fished. And, and there's several of uh, my classmates in that. They're all biologists and have went on to other places to do to do bigger stuff. And so and which around Tishomingo, you have Lake Texoma, you have two or three management areas and you have Blue River and. So, I mean, it's kind of a sportsman's paradise right there at the college. And, nice. man, it was it was kind of one of those super immersion deals, like where it just takes you and just, man, here's everything that the state has to offer right here in your backyard. And, I don't know, really kind of enjoyed it and decided a long time ago I wanted to be a game warden. And then he just kind of took some bumps along the road, kind of like everybody else, and uh, finally finished my actual bachelor's degree and – took me forever to apply to get in, but we got it finally. That's so. awesome. Did so you had mentioned you had done some ride alongs. Did you do ride alongs with game wardens or was it with uh like typical law enforcement like police, sheriffs, things like so, that? So uh I actually did both. So whenever I was in high school, like I said, I was working for uh like I said we worked on that, that big ranch. And then, so like for a summer job, I worked for the lake. And so they had a lake patrol guy and I wrote, he was my very first ride along. And that was the biggest mistake of, of anybody's life as far as my, me getting into law enforcement. Cause like the first ride along I did with him, we got into a like foot pursuit and all kinds of like <laughs> wild stuff. And I'm like, I'm hooked. Yeah. And then uh, when I got into college and you have to write a bunch of research papers and stuff like that, they, like I said, I knew I wanted to be a game warden, so they they were like, "Hey, we, we want you to write this this over what you want to do." And so, which I knew the game wardens from back home and pretty well, and so I just called them up, and they're like, "Yeah, come on!" And so I went and started doing ride alongs with them, and uh, they took me on a uh, 
a plane operation where they they fly the plane at night looking for spotlighters and after that i was like yeah i'm definitely going in the right direction this is what i want to do we had a blast and and it's like i said it and once you if it's something you're passionate about and you get start going into it and then whenever the fun exciting stuff happens it definitely sets a hook in you and you're kind of bought and paid for then man that's that's sweet i know if I had done any more ride-alongs, I would have ended up being a police officer. Like my wife did several, uh, when she was younger and she was like, I want to be a cop. I want to be a cop. And I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) And then I did one with my buddy and it was the same type of deal. Like first Mm -hmm. one, only one that I've done so far. (laughs) And he's like, Hey, this is an overnight deal. Like we've got the worst beat in the city, the worst (laughs) shift in the city. Like we're, we're going to go we're going to go hit it hard. And I'm like, all right, sweet. So, you know, I, I go to the gas station, I bought like sunflower seeds and energy drinks and like all this stuff ready to gear me up for the night. And so I go to my car and I'm grabbing it. Well, this was after the briefing for the day. So like I got to go sit in that, hear all about what's going on around the city. And he's like, Hey, go grab all your stuff. And then I'll pull the cruiser around to you. So I'm getting my like lunch box and my uh, plastic bag out of the car and he just flies up er, hits the brakes get in the car now get in get in i like chuck all my stuff in there jump in i'm like what's going on he's like just listen and dispatch comes over and she's like we're getting reports of a man or a woman beating a man's face in with a tire iron in the walmart parking lot and i'm like oh my gosh and so he pun- he punches it and we're going like 90 miles an hour down this road in the middle of town and all of a sudden I'm looking and it's like climbing. We're going over a hundred miles an hour. And he's like, normally we can only go 80, but my, uh, my captain said it was all right since I had a ride along and I'm like, just <laughs> holding on. I'm like, oh! I mean, we're, we're just, we're hitting intersections, like, uh, skidding into intersections, taking off a different direction. We get up to Walmart and on the way there, they're like, now report says that she's choking the man with her legs. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is an MMA, like cage fight, <laughs> WrestleMania, everything all Here in one. Go. And, uh, we get up there and dude, it was so funny. Like this was a couple and he forgot the receipt to return something. So she just started wailing on him. Whooping his butt. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that was my first encounter. The night continued to go on. And then later, a couple of years later, I was in Colorado watching cops. I've always loved cops. I think right. aside from there's a new one, it's called under arrest. And it's the oh, Canadian yeah. version of cops oh, and it's boy. hilarious. And, uh, anyways, I'm watching that and I see this chick and I'm like, dude, I recognize her. I don't know what, how, like, I feel like I know her all of a sudden I see green County Sheriff's department and I'm like, Oh dude, that's in Springfield, Missouri. That's the same chick that we arrested. This is amazing. So she ended up being <laughs> on an actual episode of cops later on. That's freaking awesome. So, it. so that's, the, the first ride along I did, like I said, I was in high school and we're bebopping through the lake and the little lake that I lived on and that we worked at, man, it's way out in the middle of nowhere. It's a fishing lake. Like it's, it had I me, mean, it's a state park. It has its, the areas and blah, blah, blah. Well, all of a sudden we pull up into this fishing area and like I said, I, I'm 18 and this, the, there's some guys waving us down by the boat ramp. So we walk down there and this, this dude is like flat passed out, like in the water, like dang near drowning because he's so dang drunk. 
And so the guy that was waving us down was a PD officer from a town just up the road. And so we're like, man, like, holy crap, like this dude's just gonna kill himself. And so we grab him. Well, then like the trooper and the, the PD guy kind of like, Hey man, you wake up. And as soon as he wakes up, he starts fighting. Well, they, they hook him up and we put him in the passenger seat. And then all of a sudden here comes his buddy. And his, they, these guys are from Oklahoma city, which that's a Metro area. That's just a completely different mindset that's from the rural area down here. And <laughs> he comes over and starts arguing and arguing with them. And he, the trooper goes, if you don't walk away, you're going to jail too. Cause you're drunk. And, like public intox, he's like, I'm not putting up with you. And if, if anybody from Oklahoma knows, like our state troopers, man, they they're pretty well straight laced. They do not care, and they they will arrest you over if you mess with them. They will arrest you. This cat just kept going, and so they end up getting into a fight. And well, the troopers like, hey, grab my other set of handcuffs from the uh, he had them on his uh, emergency brake pedal. So I reach, I go around the truck, grab it, and as I'm reaching in. I see the guy and that's in the passenger seat handcuffed in a seatbelt. He kind of looks at me and I look at him. All of a sudden it was as quick as a freaking jackrabbit. That dude spun in the seat, hit the seatbelt button and out the door he goes. I'm like, he's running. What do I do? <laughs> and so like, I don't know what to do. Cause I got the other set of handcuffs with the trooper. He goes, take the handcuffs and get handcuffs on him. The other guys. All right. So I go over there and the PD officer that was there handcuffs. The other guy, we wrestle around for him. We get him pinned down. And all of a sudden I just hear this. Whap. No, 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 no. I'm like, we both look up and the trooper's still running across the parking lot. The guy was running and never seen this sign, this boat ramp sign. <laughs> he just smacks right into it and just falls over. And so the trooper walks up to him and said, are you done? And we pick him up and he, he brings him back over there. And, uh, we call a deputy and the, they came out and helped us transport it. But I was like, after that, I'm like, I'm hooked. Like it's, it's, this, this is it right here. I love this, but man, it, I don't know stuff like that. It's I don't know. It's kind of weird how you get put in places where it's like, oh man, like this is especially whenever you're when you're young and if you have uh, interest into something, which is kind of like I like doing a lot of the ride longs uh, with because our program isn't a, a open ride long program. It's a student ride along, and they really like us focusing on juniors and seniors in high school and then all the way up through your college years. And so if if you're looking to, to be a game warden, they're like, all you got to do is call us up. We fill out a form, you sign it, we go on down the road. And it's because of that is if you can get that, get that mindset and that hook in them where that, Oh man, yes, this is what I want to do. Like that's, that's how we, we, we recruit a lot is because it is exciting. It's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff, but then yet like if they, as, as they go along, they see the mundane part of it and like, Hey, like it's not always balls to the wall and you're not always going 90 miles an hour. A lot of it's like right now we're in the middle of doing fur bear surveys and other stuff for the department. So it's kind of way more relaxed and we're kind of starting to go into our fishing season. And so it's, it's pretty well chill. And so it's kind of, you just got to go do your job. And like I said, it always, always changing. There's always something to be done, but like I said, it's just kind of always one of those deals of, finding what you want to do during the day. And here we go. Yeah. How has it affected your, your ability to hunt and fish? Cause that's one thing that I was always curious about. I'm like, man, I, I wanted to be a game warden for a little while and 
we actually got stopped by one out on public land. We were duck hunting. We talked to him. My buddy got a fine. I laughed at him. Uh, you know, we, it, it ended up being really cool. The guy was awesome, but I, I was asking him about it and he's like, man, if you love the outdoors, it's a great career. Mm. If you love to hunt and fish, not so much. And I was like, oh really? And he's like, well, I mean, that's our busy season. Like we've mm. got to be boots on the ground. You know, we get calls nonstop during that yeah. time. And so he's like taking vacation to go and hunt during hunting season a lot of departments that's not an option no so man i've always heard that and like even around here everybody has said that man i wanted to be a game warden but it just they they say you can't hunt fish and i'm like i haven't seen that yet and like so but you got to be smarter about it like so i had this conversation with a kid the other day because he was asking me the exact same thing and i'm like man here's the deal is like you still have your days off even during like prime hunting season and the only thing that changes is the days you get to hunt and the days you get to fish because you're still you're still given two i mean it's the same as any other job you you have set hours and days that you work and then set days off and then outside of like our big game season most of the time like you get that freedom of having your exact days off every every week so and even like early season and late season, like it goes back to the same thing. The only thing that really changes for us is rifle season because our rifle season, the way it's set up, it always falls on the week of Thanksgiving. And so ours is a 16 day uh, rifle season. And it's always, it opens up the weekend before Thanksgiving and then closes the, the weekend or two weeks after. And so, man it just changes the way you actually hunt which actually for me has been super beneficial because like my days off uh for the most part are wednesday thursday well when i go out like to go to the lake or go to go hunt or go fish or my on my own time that's usually people are at work in the middle of their work weeks and like i've hunted a bunch of public land and stuff man you go out there on a wednesday and thursday or like if like if I, if I set it up right to where I work in the morning on a Tuesday and we go on a uh, Tuesday evening hunt, even during October going into late or going into November, there's just nobody there. Yeah. And so it's, uh, man, I don't know. It just, it just changes. It just changes the way you hunt. And like I said, we do have a lot of freedom of being able to move around and adjust our time to where if we've got something going on that we want, uh, to do with family or if we've got friends that are wanting to go hunt or whatever you can like i said you can either take it off or work adjust it to another day and i actually feel like now because before i was a warden i worked for the prison and that's a very strict very structured like hours of when you got to be there and everything and it's so like i actually have more time now to go hunt and fish and to do outdoor activities with like my family or my friends or whatever, just go goof off, be by myself. Most of the time I'm by myself. Cause it's just, I get, I get fed up with dealing with people, especially towards, uh, uh, the fall seasons. But man, I, I don't know. I, I would disagree with it on the whole, I, for me anyways, like I said, I know there's some people in areas that that's not the case. They are hooked up because every season is another busy season for them. Like for me, here i pretty much have 
like yeah, the fall hunting season, which is a real big deal. And then you have the spring, uh, spring season, which all your lakes get hit real hard. And then during the summer, everything goes shifts to the river and the creeks and stuff. And so, like I said, you just make your patrols and doing your stuff. And like, and you, after you do it for a while, you know, when people are going to be out, like, you know, when they're hunting, when they're fishing and it's just, you, you start learning that, picking that up. So whenever your call loads, they're less, that's when you go, you go do your thing. And yeah. so like, I don't know, I feel like I have more time to spend outdoors and do my thing now uh, as being a warden as what I did when I was in the prison. So I don't know. Like I say, I think it's all in the, you just got to change, change the way you do some things. But then if you change, change a little bit, you'll have more time to do that. Nice. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, I feel like that's that's probably a pretty common perception that people have when thinking about yeah. getting into law enforcement or like fishing game stuff. Um, yeah. That hopefully we can get the word out that you know it's not necessarily <laughs> the case. Like if you go and work a a salary job and you have to work sixty hours a week, you're probably gonna have yeah. less time to do it than you know being a game warden or whatever. Yeah, so like we're on a forty hour work week, and so. Uh, outside of, like I said, uh, like I said, it does change like November, like whenever our, our, tra our traditional big game seasons are in full swing, it does change. And like it, your time does get less and less available because as that, especially around that Thanksgiving area, when more and more people are off and more and more people are going to be out, you've got to be out. Like that's yeah. the one thing that they, like it says, like whenever you're scheduling your time is they want you working when people are out and so you have to schedule your stuff around that so but like i said you still get your days off and you can like i said you can make it happen like I said, if you really want it like i've i mean i've i've been rifle hunting while being a warden and it's like i just make it to where my time is my time and then like i've been sitting in the dang blind or a tree stand or out on a stock and my freaking game warden phone go off and you just kind of got to stop answer the phone call and most most time it's a question, so you just answer the question and you just go right on about it. And but like I said, man, it's just kind of a it's kind of a give and take. But like I said, I I feel like I said this is my personal opinion. I feel like I have more time to to do the outdoor stuff and hunt fish and hang out with family and do my my personal stuff than like I did whenever I was at the prison. Like because like I said, completely different atmospheres. Yeah, that's awesome. So when I mean when the busy season comes, I would guess that it it feels almost more high stress or high pressure for game wardens because you're dealing with people with guns all the time or like a good chunk of the time. Yeah. Uh, is, does it feel that way or is it still kind of like, Oh, these guys are just out here hunting. Sure. They've got a gun, but that's part of hunting. Yeah. So man, I mean, like we were kind of chatting before we started recording it was in my area, everybody here is armed all the time. That's just the way it is here. Um, but we've, we do handle calls with people with guns a whole lot different than like the sheriff's office, police department does. We're way more relaxed on it. And like I said, 90, and like I said, and, I'll, and this comes off of uh, the Wards Watch podcast. They were, they were talking about this in the last episode they were dealing with, and it's out of Pennsylvania. And, and I'll agree with what they were saying is like 90 to 95% of the people we come in contact with are salt of the earth people that are freaking amazing. Then out of that, 
what a 10 to 5% that's left, you have like your poachers and like people that really aren't out to, to do wrong um, towards you. I mean, they're, they're out doing their, their illegal activities and you got to deal with that. And there's always accidents involved. And then there's like that 1% that's like the true narcissist or whatever. That's, it doesn't matter what you're doing. They're, they're there to do you wrong. And so I don't know, like I, the way we train is like, it's, we treat like their firearms as an extension of them because everybody, like when we come, even during fishing season, like we're a constitutional carry state. So everybody either has a sidearm on them and they dang sure all have a knife on them. So it's, I don't know, just kind of, kind of second nature. And so with that, and we were, I uh, mean, a Lieutenant were talking the other day and it's, it's more of not reading the tools they have with them. It's reading them. So you mm-hmm. start, you start to read people a whole lot faster and, which is a good deal. I, I feel like we make, we get less publicity on the bad contacts because of we learn to read people and which it's not 100%, but you can kind of get that feel if this is going to be a bad contact or good contact. And, and like I said, even like I've had, like go check dove hunters. They, they never put their guns down because they're waiting on the next set of doves to come <laughs> in and you'll be sitting there talking to them and here comes dove. You just kind of slink back because you know what's just going to happen and cover your ears because it's just going to happen. And so you just try to stay out of their way and let them – like I said, you don't want to interrupt them. Like, And that's like one of my big deals is if you're a, if you're a lawful sportsman and doing everything right, I'm not going to interrupt your hunt. Like I've set and then checking duck hunters, like we'll be on the boat and we'll ease up to an area where we know there's some blinds and stuff. And we'll sit way back across and glass – and like you can see people and see their decoys and then like you start listening, you start hearing them call. If you start and you start looking around, if if usually when they're calling, they're usually seeing something. So you just sit back and wait, let them get done doing what they're doing. Then we go make contact in and out real fast. So it doesn't it doesn't interrupt their hunt and like they continue doing what they're doing. And like I said, 90, 95 percent of the people that we come in contact with, they don't they do nothing wrong at all and it's i don't know i I said i'll for the most part in my area i love my sporting community and they are super supportive of what we do and i said you're you're always going to have that that percentage that just it just doesn't matter who you are what if if you're carrying a badge and a gun they just don't like you so it's just the way it goes yeah i mean i feel like i don't know why it is with people like authority is just always something that people have (laughs) some weird issue with like I've never I've had a couple bad encounters um with law enforcement but they've always ended up good but like just right. the whole dialogue and stuff I'm like man this is very unpleasant um but <laughs> yeah. for the most part you know like if I see if I see the green pants walking through the marsh towards me it's just like oh here we go like I know the drill unload yep. the gun they check the plug they check the ammo they check my license yep. then we're good to go no big deal um what what would you recommend to people? I mean, maybe to put the the fishing game agent or the warden at ease when you first make contact with them. Is there something that you know it would it would help you out or or put you more at ease during the contact? So I mean, it's the same as as any of the rest of them. Man, just be relaxed if if you're and and I get it, like because especially. Like where we're at and where I'll, I'll go some weird places way back off in the middle of nowhere. And like all of a sudden I pop up and these guys are like, 
where in the heck did you just come from? And all right, if you just relax for the most part and like not not be jittery, especially with your hands, like keep your hands. It's the same thing as like in a vehicle. As long as I can see your hands, I'll be way more relaxed. You'll be way more relaxed. And but I'm not I'm not one of them that's super strict, like a people sticking in their hands in their pocket. Like I can kind of feel like I said, when you start reading people doing this long enough, you'll start reading people and, and figuring that stuff out. So like me personally, like if you'll just relax and like just just carry on a general conversation. And like I said, most time, like like right now, we're going into fishing season. I come up on you, like we have we make it easy if we can. You can either print out your license, have a screenshot on your phone, or use our app. And I've got a scanner that I've got a and we scan the license and it pops up everything because we went to a new system back in 19. Every person that gets a license has a QR code. Well, you can get a hard copy of that QR code. It has your name and information on it. And throughout the years, well, only thing it does is that QR code is direct correspondence to you. So you never have to get a new license. It's a credit card, not a paper license or anything like that. So all I got to do is scan it. It pops up every license you've got. Nice. Like we're, we're in fishing season now. So like, boom, I'm looking for a fishing license. Hey, we're in and out. Like I said, two seconds. And so like, if you just have that stuff ready, it'll make your, <coughs> make your time fishing more, uh, I guess where you can continue that. And like I said, but half the people I talk to down here, hell, we'll send up center talking 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. And <laughs> we just end up center talking and BS and while they're fishing yeah. and 90% of the people are just cool as all get out with it. So I don't know. It's, it's pretty easy. Yeah. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called bull elk beard oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. No, that's awesome. Um, I've got I've to get your take on this. And at this point, I've talked to – my whole life is talking hunting now. And so I always forget what I've said on the podcast and what I haven't. So you may have actually heard this. I had, I had one encounter, and this was the worst encounter I've had with law enforcement. I was – I was bow hunting in Wisconsin with my buddy and it was probably 10, 10 minutes before legal shooting light ended for the day. And that year was one of the years you could bait every year. It seems like the regulations are changing in Wisconsin. Right. Um, and so like certain years you can put out a gallon, certain years you can't put out anything. Um, sometimes it's really lax, but I ended up shooting a doe probably 
five, ten minutes before legal shooting light ended. And I get down, check for blood. It's okay, but I felt like, man, I mean, this is at 15 yards. I felt like I put a good hit on it, but I get down, go to my buddy Tim, and I said, hey, let's go, let's go get um, better lights, and we'll just give it an hour. I said, we'll give it an hour, we'll come back, and we'll look for the, look for the deer again. So we go home, we go back to my mom's house, get some spotlights. Um, we, where we're at in Wisconsin, there's mountain lions, bears, and wolves, right. and there's not a ton <laughs> of them, but like right. they're, they're out, there. you know, <laughs> what's that? I said, they're there. Oh yeah. They're there. I mean, my, my brother's buddy got pictures of one five minutes before he climbed up his tree. There was a uh, sow and cubs right underneath it. And so oh, anyways, we go back, get lights. Um, he grabs his pistols. I didn't have a pistol at the time, but he's like, hey, man, I'll give you a pistol, you know, just in case. So we go back out there, and we start blood trailing. And we're looking and looking. We make it like 50 yards into the track, and, I mean, it's heavy blood. We're about to come up on this deer. And through the trees, we can just see, like, the reflection of red and blue lights, and we hear someone yell and hear a car door close. And so I'm like, dang, the cops are here. Like, we'll go out and see what's going on. <laughs> so we walk out to the street, and we get out there. And the first thing, I just say, hey, how's it going? You know, we're 100 yards up the road at this point. We're out in the country. And the first thing he says is, who's got the pistol? And I'm like, both of them. <laughs> I go, oh, we both do. And he goes, where are they? I said, mine's in my front jacket pocket. You know, I've got my hands up already because I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> he, I'm like, mine's in my front jacket pocket. Tim's like mine is in my pants pocket or whatever. And we walk over there. He's like, all right, set him on the tailgate. We do. He checks him, clears him, all that. And he goes, uh, you know, it's illegal to conceal a firearm in the state of Wisconsin. And this is back when it was completely illegal. But I'm like, right. we're on public or we're on private land. Like this isn't, it's not like we're out walking down the street, yeah, you know, like we're, yeah. we're on private property. <laughs> Anyways, he ends up being pretty cool. Another cop shows up, and I'm like, oh, okay. He called in backup. You know, it's a town of 360 people, so I guess there's nothing else to do. So <laughs> he calls in backup. That guy's pretty cool. We explain everything. The third guy shows up, and this guy is not cool at all. And he starts just grilling us. I could put you in jail for three days. I could take your license for up to three years. What are you doing out here spotlighting deer in the middle of the night? And I'm like, no, that's not at all how it went. Like, I shot a deer, the arrow's covered in blood, it's on my tailgate. Uh, we just carry the pistols for protection, you know, trailing a wounded animal in wolf, bear, and mountain lion country. Like, we're going to make sure we've got protection. Right. So <laughs> then he he looks, he opens the chamber of the pistol, you know, racks it back, and he goes, why is there deer hair in the chamber of your pistol? And I'm like, well, I mean, we drug a deer out yesterday, helped a buddy, I'm like, I promise I'm not out here pistol whipping deer. <laughs> and I, I wasn't trying to be like a smart ass, but at the same time, I'm like, what, like, is it like a reverse vortex? Did the, does the hair get sucked back into the barrel? How does it work? You know, like what, what kind of question is that? So anyways, uh, he ends up, he, they end up kind of understanding. He's like, Hey, just a heads up, like make sure one's racked before you carry a pistol around, but it just has to be exposed. We have to be able to see the holster or part of the gun. Right. And then he tells us, pack it up. He goes, you guys got to head home. 
And I'm like, what? I'm like, I've got a deer laying out there. It's going to be 55 degrees tonight. And he goes, you need to pack it up. And I'm like, man, that's not right, dude. Like that deer is going to spoil. The coyotes are going to eat it. There's not going to be anything left of it in the morning. And he just looks at me real stern and he goes, pack it up. And I'm like, okay. So any, anyways, we end up leaving, come back the next morning. Sure enough, uh, coyotes completely tore out the, you know, they start at the butt, tear out all the guts. Everything yeah. else has been chewed on and ripped apart. I mean, it's kind of spread all over. And so ruin that whole deal. And I was like, you know, I know for a fact that if it was a warden, it would have been a different warden. story. You know, it might have been like, dude, yeah. you really can't have a pistol concealed out here. But they're at least going to walk in the woods. I'll show them, like, for real, this is yeah. where the trail is. It, it would have been a different story. But anyways, that was the only true negative encounter that I've, I've had with law enforcement in the woods. Eh, you, you handled that a lot better than what I would have. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's coming from a warden. Ah, man, even, man, I said those contacts like that, I, I don't know. Like, like what you said, you're on private property doing your own thing. You're not in a township. You're not in public. I would have. <laughs> yeah, I would have been that smart ass. Excuse oh, the language, yeah. but I, I would have been that guy. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Hindsight on that, maybe. Like, which y'all have DNR up there, I guess. Yep, and DNR. same yeah. thing as us. Like, man, you might ought to, I'd have hollered at them, and be like, hey, we just got ran off of our own private property on finding this deer. Come with us. Yeah. And like, I've had to do that. Uh, not necessarily in that, that sense, but, uh, like I had a couple guys that I know that run hog dogs down in my area. And I was actually, I've been having a lot of trespassing issues in the, in, in this one area. And I just actually came through there. They were just North of the section line. I turned and went South on and they call me and he's like, Hey, um, man, we need your help. I said, all right, what do you got? And which everybody for some reason down here thinks that the wardens are super against dog hunting and stuff. And, like, no, it's we're against the dog hunters that trespass without, uh, with just no re- regard for anybody's property. Like, that's that's what we're against. Yeah. These guys call me, he's like, Hey, man, we got a dog over on this, this property. They do not allow any hunting, they don't allow anybody. We started off over here, we busted a sounder, we've caught two pigs. Our then the dog that they were missing was their actual, their, their main track dog. And which as soon as they caught, she went right back on the track of the pigs that just left that they didn't catch. And she's doing her job. And, and I get that, but they, those guys are super respectful and super cool. And like, they call me in, you know, like I said, I was two miles from them. And so I swung back up there to them and I'm like, man, she's in here. Like we've got her on GPS and she's like, usually I can buzz her on my, on my shocking car and she'll come right back to me, but she's not coming back to me. I was like, all right. So we find the landowner and I go up there and knock on the door and, it wasn't super late and the guy answered the door said, hey man it's like there's some guys that were dog hunting over here to the east of you us on so-and-so's property uh they were catching pigs their track dog took off chasing the pigs and the track dogs over here on your property they're just wanting to retrieve a dog and i said i'll go with them if if you'll if you'll okay it and, and dude was super cool and was like yeah nah. he's like yeah he said that gate right there is open uh y'all just go through there and, and get her and he says, as long as y'all retrieve. I said, no, I said, that's all they're wanting to do is 
is retrieve a dog. And so we go up there and catch the dog and she ended up having like a sticker in her paw. And she just, she was done. She was laid down out there by the fence line. She's like, come get me. She's like, I'm tired. And so we went up there and got the dog for him. And I don't know. I, and I don't know. I've, I've, I mean, there's just, which I was a PD officer when I first began my law enforcement career. But even then, like I said, I guess it's because of, man, being in Southern and Southeastern Oklahoma, like, I don't know, dealing with guns and people having guns really isn't that big a deal because hell, everybody has them and everybody carries them. And yeah. it's, I don't know. I, I don't, and I hate, I hate that for you guys. And I hate hearing that because man, and I hear so many stories of that. And I'm just like, man, I just, well, and that's the thing. I just, you know, I, I understand like people have different views and stuff, but yeah, for, for on the officers end, I'm like, all right, I can kind of see how fishy this looks. You know, you're driving down the country <laughs> road, there's a truck parked right in front of the woods and you get out. And the reason they, he even knew that we had pistols was because the pistol cases were like, right. my buddy had his pistols in cases until we got out to the woods, we uncased them, threw them in our pockets. Um, and so anyways, that's the only reason he even knew that anything was going on with pistols. And so right. I just, I, I know looking back, I'm like, I could have called the DNR and been like, Hey, these cops are telling me I have to leave. Like these were just city police. And I say city, yeah. like you can't really call it a Damn. city if it's under 500 people. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, they, they didn't have anything else going on and, and all three of them showed up, but I know, <laughs> I know I could have continued the hunt or continued the track job right. if, if a DNR agent had yeah. come out. Um, yeah. switching gears on that though, if say I were to do something illegal unintentionally or otherwise, if I'm like, I've, I've heard plenty of stories of people like shooting turkeys, they don't see the hen behind it. They shoot a Tom, right. the hen drops. What's the best way to go about that? Like if, if they want to make contact with you, like just right away, Hey, I did this. I messed up. Yeah. And it's, it's an, it's an accident. Accidents happen. Um, and I, we've had a bunch of that happen down here and even, uh, I, the more I've seen it with turkeys quite a bit, but during the youth hunt, like the kids will get super excited and their little old buck will walk out and there'll be a doe right behind it or vice versa. There'll be a doe that they're after either another doe or a buck behind it. And they just don't clear, clear that. So, man, I try to use those as educational moments. I mean, you have teachable moments. And so I try to do that generally speaking. So like I said, each case is different. Each warden's different. Uh, me, if it's a true accident and it's not something intentional, uh, man, I'm pretty cool about it. And like they're there. And like I said, there's probably wardens across the nation that aren't as cool about it, but that's kind of a personality conflict there. But like for me, if you'll give me a heads up and just kind of call me and be like, Hey, we, uh, we were turkey hunting and I smacked a, a Tom and a hen on accident. Um, man, like not most time I'll come out, like you'll still get your Tom. And like I said, we'll, um, like last year I did it. There was a, it was a, during the youth season, a guy, this kid shot two Toms, bam, bam, just, they were lined up and he just, didn't pay attention, caught the clip, the other one got him too. So they called me and he was like, man, he said, this is on me. Uh, he said, I, 
he said, I didn't, and I was sitting at a different angle and I thought he was clear and I was like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. And he shot, well, knocked down both toms, man. I didn't even write him. A, I didn't write him anything. I just went and took the other Tom and donated it. And so like, we always have people that we can donate the meat stuff to. So like, that's like, I said, that's my personal did, deal. Did you and let him keep the one with the bigger beard? I let him keep the one that <laughs> they, that he was originally shooting. And which they were, they were pretty equal, uh, for the most part, like those, those toms were pretty equal in size. And like I said, this, he's like, this was the one I was shooting at. This is the one I shot on accident. I said, all right, that's the one I'm taking. And so I was like, man, it's, this is kind of one of those teachable moments of you have to, I mean, that's one thing you're taught. The first one, the first thing you're taught in hunter ed, when you go into that part of the section is know what's beyond your target. Yep. And so, um, like it happens and like I said, people make mistakes. And so it's, as long as it's not outrageous and where I feel like you're trying to get one over on me or something like that, if you're being truthful and honest that this was a mistake and like, man, it wasn't intentional at all. Like I'll be, I'm, I'm usually really laid back on that stuff. Cause I mean, crap happens. And like, I don't, it's not like you were intentionally going out there to harvest two turkeys and like, especially now cause our turkey season, just because our turkey populations are in the tank so bad across our entire state, turkey season is going to get pretty, uh, pretty tough uh, for us, especially this year. And so, accident like that is going to be viewed a little bit different now because, like I said, we just don't have the populations. And so, there'll there'll probably be some some consequences involved. But man, I try not. Actually, if it's an honest mistake. And you call me, I'm going to try to work with you. I said, that's, that's just my point of view on it. And uh, I said, like, there's wardens that have different point of views. Like, no, you should have known. Like, you know that you're supposed to do that. Here's your boo-boo fee for it. Like, All right, well, whatever. That's that's your prerogative, not mine. So, yep. but I don't know. Like I said, it, it happens. And it's just, I don't know. Like, it's, I'd rather, especially like in a youth season or somebody that's just beginning hunting, is try to have a teachable moment. And so that way it doesn't put that bad taste of, for one us and two for the hunting in general, because like, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it across with uh, other people is how the, the hunting population like in general is declining. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I don't want to contribute to bad taste of hunting and especially bad taste for us and our department. Like we want, we're, we're truly, we're here for the sportsmen and for, uh, for the outdoors and stuff. It's like, we want to, we want to continue to build that. So if I can, if I can do a teachable moment to, to keep that, that camaraderie, I guess would be the easiest word. Uh, so that way it's, it's more, I don't know, more feasible, I guess. Like I said, so I don't yeah. know. I, I have, a, I have a little bit different outlook than a lot of people do. No, so. that, I mean, that makes sense. Like when it's a true accident that happened this year, in Wisconsin during rifle season, there was a first time hunter that shot an elk instead mm-hmm. of a deer. And <laughs> she shot, I think it was a small, like a, a yearling or a two year old cow elk. Uh, and she saw it, pulled the trigger, shot it. Her dad called it in immediately. Cause in yeah. Wisconsin, you don't have to necessarily sit right next to the person. Um, yeah. But sometimes like for certain seasons, you can just be within earshot of them. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was her first time shot an elk first first animal she killed they called it we in a, and it was they they got off without a ticket or anything right. it sounds like you know they both got kind of a stern talking to like hey yeah. 
you got to know. You have to know yeah. what you're shooting. Uh, and then on the flip side, there was a guy who shot a big bull elk, and it was during <laughs> deer season. And he got called in because he loaded it up on his trailer and was driving down the highway with it. And they caught yeah. him immediately because so many people called it in. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, they he, he didn't fare as well. Yeah, so we had we worked a deal for Colorado. Uh, let's see, two years ago now, they uh, we had one of our residents go up there elk hunting, which we have a lot of our people go to Colorado elk hunting, which that's pretty normal. Well, he ended up getting turned in to Colorado, and he the people you're we hunting with. I, I, I didn't really catch all, the whole story on the first part of it, and uh but from what i got was he went out there hunting with some acquaintances blah 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 he was hunting by himself went in harvested he had a cow elk tag and he shot a bull moose oh my and, gosh and this dude's like and from what we can see and what we were able to see was he's a he's a he knows the difference and like he he'd been hunting a long time and this guy i don't i don't like I said, I never did catch the, cause I wasn't the, the investigator on it. I was just there helping on the search warrant whenever we went and wrote it up. But anyway, so he shot this bull moose, quartered it out and packed it all out. Well, and the people in camp, like, Hey, we'll go help. He's like, I don't know. Uh, a bear, a bear was coming around and I just got everything out that I could. And then it just didn't sit right with the people he was hunting with. So they backtracked him, found the, the full on what he didn't carry out, which he wasted a lot of that bull moose and like cut the head off, left the head there. And it, it like, it wasn't a trophy head or anything like that, but it was still a, a good sized bull bull. And so they are like, no, we're not playing this game. And so they called the wardens up there. They came in, tracked them in, showed them everything, got all the evidence they could collect. Well, then they were like, no, this dude's from Oklahoma, blah, blah, blah. And so, they they had his name so they contact us we write the search warrant up off of their probable cause and we went certain they sent an investigator from colorado down here and so we went and executed a search warrant on this dude's house and he man i don't know this guy <laughs> this is one of them that i was glad that this dude got hit because he like when we got there he thought he was in trouble because, you know, in Colorado, you can't use any kind of lighted uh, uh, sight picture or anything like that on your bow. It can't be, it can't be illuminated. It has to be. And that's what he thought he was in trouble for was yeah. his illuminated sight, in which they're like, yeah, let's see the bow and da, 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 let's see your arrows. Well, he had left his arrow at the, the kill site. And so they pulled out this arrow that matches all of his arrows, like, from fletching all the way down shaft to the point. I mean, the, the tip was the exact same. And then they're like, all right, man, you're not being straight up with us. So we're going to tell you exactly why we're here and we'll just talk about it. It's like, okay. And we're here about the bull moose you shot. And his face just dropped because oh, then no. he knew he was caught. And which we'd already found the the meat and everything, which it, it what he packed out still filled up a good size freezer. And, Man, they they smoked that dude, and like I was, I mean, it's one of those like that. That's a different deal. Like he tried to hide it from not only us and Colorado wardens, that he hid it from his friends. His wife had no clue because like when we seized the the freezer, she was like, "We need." She was like, "Can I get the 
the the little stuff in there that's like for the kids and blah 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 like, ma'am i said we're just here for the moose meat and she just looked at me like moose meat what moose meat and i'm like and the other warden that was sitting the older guy was with me he goes she doesn't know and i was like she does now and she just turned around and stormed back into the house and we were like oh yeah that's worse than was, jail time man yeah and like they they find the heck out of him and and stuff like that i mean that wasn't an accident yeah like he knew he knew what he did and he tagged this bull moose in on that cow elk tag and he like wasted a whole bunch of meat and wasted a good hunt because i mean that's that's kind of one of those hunts that when when you go to Colorado, I mean, elk and moose are way up there in the echelon of wanting to, to hunt that. And yeah. so, like, man, in which that's that's a tribute to the sportsman there because if they would have all been like his mentality, we'd have never known. Yeah. But it pissed them off. And, like, they, they didn't like it because he was there hunting with them and they don't want any heat and they – they were, I mean, they were true sportsmen and they, they, they helped us out a lot and, and put us in the right direction in Colorado. And then they called us and like I said, we worked it up on our end, but that one was a, that was a good one. I got a cool knife out of the deal from, from parks and wildlife and nice. they sent us a whole bunch of thank you stuff. So that was kind of cool on their part, but I don't know, man, that's like accidents an accident, but whenever you do something on purpose and then try to turn it into an accident, man, I, I, and I agree with, the way that that case was handled, like I'm, I'm not going to be nice to you. So yeah, no, my me and my hunting buddies, I feel like we're kind of in the same boat. Like, dude, if you're going to screw around, don't do it when I'm around because exactly, like we we love this sport too much. I could not imagine losing my license for some stupid thing that my buddy did that I helped him cover up, mm-hmm. and even yeah. like I'll tell people, man, I had a shot, I had a shot at a deer but it was two minutes after daylight or yeah. after legal light. Right, last and yeah. that was my only encounter I had with the shooter buck this year. And Damn. I didn't even take my bow off the hanger and I just watched. And I was like, it was a cool encounter. And I had so many people dude. Just oh, that. with your bow, man. Oh dude, I would have totally <laughs> shot it. And I'm like, not on my property. You're not like no. we play by the book because they're like, I'll like I speed. I'm not going to lie. I typically don't run red lights or stop signs. Like I'll stop fully, but like speed limit wise, yeah, I push the boundaries. Right. <laughs> but you know, I'm I, I'm okay with the consequence of a hundred plus dollar fine. I right. am not okay with losing my license. Like <laughs> yeah. I do not want to lose my hunting rights. No man, it, that's when you talk about people. Like it's in my world down here, it's. Like we do everything we can to make it easier. Yes, there's every year there's some changes, this, that, and the other. But for the most part, our hunting rules have been the same since like the 1960s. And it's pretty well, yeah, there's been some different little regulations come along, but that's because we've had to change <clears throat> change regulations to fit populations. And that's what so like and the way ours is set up, you have wildlife law and wildlife code. And so the code is our administrative side of it. And that allows us to adjust like uh, fishing limits and bag limits and stuff. So that way, so like we have biologists year round that are always, that are specialized in all of this stuff. And they're looking at complete populations and they're like, oh, y'all are just out trying to get us. Like, no, we're trying to make sure that the next generation that we have this stuff, 
for the next few years and for the long term. Like we're we're really wanting that. Yeah. Like our our deer population is Oklahoma's biggest claim to fame is at statehood. And this is why our department is a constitutional agency and got brought in was across the entire state of Oklahoma at statehood. There was probably seven to 900 deer total. And that was our entire state. And just because of coming from the frontier times and in the territory times and statehood. So they knew there was a, there was a need for conservation. And so that's when our department was created. And then, so now like we have one of the, like we're a top 10 whitetail state. I, and, and that's, and we also, have, we can compete with Texas and we can compete with Kansas and which everybody thinks of Kansas and Texas, these monster deer, but we can compete right there with them. And most of it being on private property and like across our entire state, <clears throat> You can kill. You have the opportunity if you do it right to shoot a 200 inch deer. I mean, that's just okay, that's across the state, low fence, uh, private property, and then we do have public land that's been some monster shot off of too. So yeah, we have we have great opportunities, and like I said, we really that's the whitetail is our our big claim to fame on how we regulate that and how we do that, and in the end, like so, we get compared a lot to Texas and Kansas a lot, and. But I'm like, well, um, I, we can hold our own with them. I mean, we're not either one of those states, and each one of those states is great in their own right. And the way they do things works for them, but the way we do things works for us too. So I don't know. Like I said, we we like being in that that top ten, and like I said, we want to continue to stay there and continue to grow that. And we've really noticed a huge, huge uptick in out-of-state non-resident uh, people coming in, and it's 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 a big deal uh here and so it's it's easier to get uh tags here than it is for kansas and like like texas i mean texas is texas it's a whole nother country you know you've been there several times but to go down and shoot a mature high quality deer in texas is pretty odds are very low and uh, you go to high fence or something like that completely different different ball game because like their high fence stuff is completely like a different world oh yeah <laughs> but like our like low fence free range wild herd like we'll match ours up against texas i mean i just and but like i said it's it just is what it is and of course i'm the texas people that are on here listening i'm going to probably catch all kinds of crap <laughs> from the comments but it is what it is on that but like i said it's <clears throat> for it is what it is on like size like size of our state compared to texas i mean like i said i think we can compete with them now Texas, i mean kansas everybody knows kansas is having monster whitetails but oh, yeah. for like a non-resident it's hard to get a, a draw out because they have a draw system here yep. you can buy a, a deer tag over the counter here and go public land or private land so yeah I mean, what what's the price what on uh, a non-resident deer and license so, it's 300 and that covers so this is what's like most people don't realize it so if you buy a archery our archery season is 120 days long it starts october 1st ends um let's see january 15th every year and so you have that entire time frame to hunt and it's a 300 license that covers your license and six tags jeez so and i said but 
where we get all the gripe at is people want to come here just for the week of like Thanksgiving or whatever during rifle season. It's the same $300, but it's specifically for that 16 days. And we catch a lot of complaints over that, but I'm like, man, it's the, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's compared to a lot of other places. It's not that, not that expensive. And yeah. So, and, and especially for an archery hunter, if you're, if you don't have the opportunity, like you being from Missouri, like you between October one and January 15th, heck you could probably make two or three trips down here or more and not be. And cause we have a lot of public land up in the Northeast, which isn't that far from you. And so like, heck you could make you a run to Northeast Oklahoma, the central and the Southeast and cover a good amount of ground and have superb opportunity to shoot up to six deer. So, yeah, I I've, talked to several people from Oklahoma now recently on the podcast and to hear about the deer herd there and the quality of deer you guys have. I'm like, dang, man, I didn't realize you guys had that. I would have been over there sooner. Um, yeah, it's cool to hear though, from different people, like there's a lot of sleeper States out there and mm -hmm. ones that I, I would have never guessed Oklahoma being a big buck state or, you know, the potential for shooting that caliber of a deer all over you know, the entire span of the state. Yeah. Like I, my, my first assignment, there was a guy that, uh, I was over in Pontotoc County and this guy, he was a lifelong hunter. He's an older guy, super, he's ex-military, super kill guy. He, uh, he shot both these deer, uh, I'm trying to think, man, this was like in, this was either 17 or 18. He shot two of these bucks in, in bow season, I'm and I'm almost thinking a week apart, maybe two weeks, no more than two weeks apart, and both of them were over 200 inches, oh same my stand. Gosh. And then the bad part about it is like he's done a bunch of interviews and he's like, "There's one here that I was actually I wasn't even hunting these two. He said, "There's another one that was running with them that I was actually after that's bigger than them." <laughs> and so I'm like, like, so it's it's just nuts and like so there's some there's some really good little pockets of of land in here that's um everybody knows of that for some reason that area just like genetic wise food wise and less population from or less i guess pressure from people there's there's some really really good hunting opportunities all the way across the state and pretty much every county here i mean except for like oklahoma county or tulsa county <laughs> the, the big metro counties that you can shoot really high quality deer and have the opportunity every time you go out to do that. And, and then if the, the antlered buck that you walk, that walks in, isn't what you want, you'll have ample opportunity to shoot a doe. And we have really good, like, so we just really have really good populations all the way across the state. Man, that's cool to hear. What, uh, what, what are land prices looking at? Like out there, <laughs> yeah. has that gone through the roof? I mean, Typically, when you hear yeah. about big bucks being around, the land gets uh, expensive so pretty quick. Our uh, so our lease properties in the last uh, five to ten years, it is uh, our lease opportunities here are very very limited because you do have a lot of money coming in from Texas, the city, uh, and other places that like our normal, like our residents, Joe blow down the road, he can't afford it. And we've got some, I guess, 
uh, not necessarily outfitters, but guys that come in and lease huge chunks of property and then sublease it out to hunters and stuff like, I guess, hunting club kind of stuff that that's really starting to pick up. But our, our main driver right now for land prices is our new marijuana laws. We've, uh, we've, where we now, we, you can grow marijuana here legally in the state as a medicinal and that skyrocketed prices around, especially in my area. It's just, uh, people coming in to buy those little chunks of land to, to grow on. And, and then back in the mid two thousands, we had a big gas boom down here and that drove prices up quite a bit. And then, like I said, it was, it was really not bad until the marijuana deal came out. And now that's, that's now peaked and it's starting to decline. And so land prices are coming back down, but it's, it's still way up there for the, for the normal person. Dude, I would be so um, mad if I found out like I'm losing my hunting property to some yeah, California a, company coming in and growing weed. Oh yeah. And uh, that's in this area where I work at, man, uh, especially at the height of it when they were growing these things up, man, like you couldn't drive a section line without finding a grow house. And we're finding now a lot of the environmental cost to it and which we knew that that was going to come. And I don't know, it's kind of, which California went through it first and Colorado. So like we've been trying to play catch up with that. And luckily I don't have to deal with a whole lot of that. Our, we have an agency that's uh, OBN Bureau of Narcotics that that is their puppy. And so they've, they've really picked up enforcement on that stuff and they're trying to make sure they really clean it up, which uh, we've had a several instances um, because a lot of the people they bring in here to work are uh, Hispanic or Asian. And like I said, I'm not being derogatory or anything like that. It's just the truth of it. And their, their culture is, not the same as ours like a limit a season that stuff doesn't mean a dang thing to them and for the most part i mean they're trying to survive because they're not getting paid anything and so i mean shoot they catch a, a doe or a turkey or ducks or anything all in their little area they blast the crap out of them and so we've we've had to deal with that and then a few other like environmental problems and stuff like that so it man it ebbs and flows with that, like I said, that thing's starting to taper off and the established properties are going good, but all the little pop-up ones are, they're starting to sell out and go on. And so, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of, it was real, it was real aggravating last, I guess, year and a half on watching all of it. Cause you see all these really nice properties. Then all of a sudden all the hoop houses and these great big shop buildings and all this stuff starts popping up in the middle of this. And like, we're in a big, like, cattle country here like everybody runs cattle and it's i don't know like me i'm um i run cattle too and so i'm like dang you graze a lot of cattle in there but not now <laughs> so but yeah i wonder I how know. that would be if uh if the deer started eating the pot plants and then you shoot one fry up the back straps and all of a sudden you're <laughs> high not even realizing it yeah yeah i, <laughs> I know uh i know they'll eat them i i don't know i don't know what the uh, I'm sure they get some sort of euphoric uh, feeling out of it, but I think you cook it out of them, but it may be an interesting. Well, I mean, uh, starting out the conversation talking about 
uh, <laughs> speed goats, how they taste different depending on what they're eating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're going to exactly. start tasting some funny tasting uh, venison. Yeah. This is some weird. This has some game. This gamey taste is weird. <laughs> man, I wonder what they've been eating. But no, man, it it is what it is on that stuff. Like I don't know. That that'd be an interesting. I don't know. Some that's a good experiment. Game. I think we should yeah. start that. Like we could have a podcast just about weed deer. <laughs> yeah, that's what man the the uh, some uh, doctoral candidate or something's going to listen to this somewhere and be like, hey, that's a great idea for my yeah. project. It's so, going to be a thesis for some yeah. biology I'd, I'd actually be interested in that because that'd be that'd be an interesting, uh, which I don't know how they would uh, experiment down to look at it if it, like, get a taste of it. Because I'm sure, I mean, like, deer for the most part are browsers and, and whatnot, so – I don't know. <laughs> it could change the taste of it. And I wonder, I, I do wonder the effects on it. Like I said, I've never really looked into it on if the, the actual weed effects on anything. Cause I know they eat it because it's, yeah. that's their type of stuff. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you'd have to think your food plot price is going to go way down because yeah. like, you just sell it all off what they don't eat. Right. Yeah, there you go. You have a two-part deal. Hey, I got a big old green field over here. Oh, so, man, yeah. Like, the marketing on that sells itself. It'd just be called food pots. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Somebody just made a million-dollar idea <laughs> off of you right there. Man. Well, <laughs> dude, I uh, I just realized we're over an hour, and um, I'm actually about to head over to Bass Pro Shops. They are having the World's Fishing Fair um, tomorrow through the 3rd. And so I'm going to go get some content in for that. I got an invite. Of course, it landed literally the same week or the same time frame as when I'm going down to Texas for the hog hunt. So oh, I only yeah. get to go to the fishing fair for one day, but then I'll be down in Texas. So um, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna jump off here in a minute and do that. But before I do, I want to give you a chance. Where can people find your content? Because you've got a lot out there. Uh, like Like you mentioned before the show, you're like, probably the most famous game warden out there. I mean, one of them on social media. Yeah. Well, social media wise. Yeah. But the TV shows, those guys kind of put me to shame uh, with Northwoods and Lone Star and all them other shows. But so all the mine's pretty well easy. It's Ty dot Runyon, uh, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to find just top in my name and there it goes or <laughs> Google game warden, Oklahoma, and it'll pop up somewhere. So yeah, <laughs> Well, dude, I really do appreciate you hopping on, and I look forward to doing more podcasts with you. Maybe do some type of collaboration on TikTok, or uh, yeah, yeah. or I'll just come over there. I'll, I'll find out where you're working. I'll come hunt, and then I'll call it in just so you can come hang out with me. <laughs> yeah, well, like whenever you come through, uh, I don't know how. I'm pretty sure coming from Missouri, going to that part of Texas, you're going to have to come down I-35. So my uh, my county that I'm assigned to, I-35 splits my county east and west. So I come through whatever give me a shout and we'll link up on something but yeah heck, we didn't even get into my hunting stories or any of the good i know stories, so oh man to. we're yeah we're doing a follow-up <laughs> to this for sure maybe i mean i'm bringing my podcast gear down to texas so maybe on the way back i'll swing through and we can actually do one in person yeah man that'd be fun and that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. I, I had so much fun talking with Ty, and I feel like that could have gone on for hours and hours. And in fact, we didn't even get into all the nitty-gritty details of the stories um, from him being a game warden. And we're going to have to hop on a call and do this again. And for real, I may stop by on the way back from my, my Texas hog hunt 
and chat with him in person, do a podcast in person. Maybe we'll even go live on social media for it. Either way, I had a great time chatting with him. And if you guys are interested, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot more perks to being a game warden. You don't lose your entire hunting season. And I guess I never really thought about it like that. As a game warden, you still have time off. And so if you're already working 50, 60 hours a week, even though you're having to go and deal with other hunters during hunting season, you're still going to be able to get out and hunt at certain points in time. So lots of benefits there. And I bet you for most people, most red-blooded American men, if you go on a ride along for any type of law enforcement position, there's a good chance you're going to really want to do that as a career or do more ride-alongs. I, th- I feel like we have this innate thing inside of us that we want to be like a hero and we want to be the one that delivers justice. And I don't know, maybe it's just too much cops or pretend like being police officers when we're kids, whatever that was. Who knows? But look into it. If, it's, if you're looking for a career change, if it's something that's been on your mind in the past, maybe this is the push you need to go after it, to pursue it. I'm pumped though, because before I record any more episodes, before I do any more intros or outros or anything, I will have officially hunted hogs from a helicopter in Texas. And I am so pumped about it. I'm talking like hopefully 30 to 40 pigs an hour type of stuff. They also offer thermal hunting and we're going to do a podcast while I'm down there. We're going to talk about the hunt, talk about what they offer. And if anybody's interested in it, anytime I bring it up, people are like, oh man, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do that. So I'm going to do a podcast where I get you as much information as possible about it. But again, I'm going to have to do a follow-up with Ty because he's a super awesome dude. He's really not that far from me. And guys, just ignore everything he said about the class of whitetail that they have in Oklahoma because I'm going to capitalize on that and I don't want everybody else to go do the same. It would be so cool to go to a different state and even have an encounter with a buck of that caliber. Anyways, I'm rambling now. I'm getting excited about hunting. I'm getting excited about traveling and hunting and I'm going to let this one go for the night. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.